All right, Inside Golf Podcast, the Players' Championship with Steve Bamford. Sorry this is out a little bit on the later side. Uh, we recorded very early on Tuesday morning, but it's Steve Bamford. So we made it work, and I think you will really enjoy this one. I want to give a quick reminder before we dive in with Steve. This podcast is presented by rickrungood.com. We've got a ton of great tools um, even more coming soon that we're working on and content over there. We've added a ton of stuff and yet the price has stayed the same. Um, we've added a ton of written content. I just released my first very in-depth course breakdown um, today, or I guess it would be yesterday, um, and got a lot of good feedback on that one. Um, that's going to be a weekly thing every Monday that I don't think you're going to want to miss. A lot of info that I just can't really get to in the Sunday show without the Sunday show going too long. Um, but you know, my model inputs a lot of kind of statistical analysis in terms of the players that I would have wanted to deep dive a little bit more on the Sunday show, but just kind of run out of time. You're getting all that stuff in the, uh, in the Monday article. So be sure to check that out. The Wednesday one too, I will have a full, DFS breakdown, ownership, weather, whether you should stack, pivots, chalk, all that type of stuff. Um, I really think you want to make that a part of your weekly rotation. So head on over to rickrungood.com slash Andy. It is a great community. I'm very active over there in the Slack and just a lot of smart people sharing good uh, golf information. So rickrungood.com slash Andy sign up now. It's very inexpensive and considering all the stuff that we just added, probably the best deal you're ever going to see. And you can give it a shot for a week. It's like $7. Um, and if you don't like it, it's like $7, but I have a feeling if you are a listener of this podcast, a lot of the tools, the community and the content will be right up your alley. So that's rickrungood.com slash Andy. All right, let's bring in Steve. All right, Steve Bamford is here of the Golf Betting System. Steve, it's great to see you. It's very early my time on the West Coast, as we were just talking about, but I shot out of bed this morning in excitement because there's no one that I love more to talk golf with. And it's been too long, I guess. I guess we did the Ryder Cup, but I tend to save you for the big ones. Uh, so it's great to have you back and good afternoon. How are you, Andy? I'm <laughs> fantastic, man. It's um, I, I, I checked my notes. Ryder Cup, and we had the RBC Heritage last year. Did we? I don't. Yeah, think I, we, I appeared on that podcast, I believe. I don't think so because no, I was. Okay. This is still very new. My first real podcast last year was the Match Play, and I don't think oh, I yeah. had the. I don't think I had the cloud at that time to bring you on for the Heritage. You must be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Definitely the Masters, though. Yeah. No, 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 what am I talking about? The Ryder Cup, yes. The Ryder yeah. Cup, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ryder I tried Cup. to make a cut, a case for Team Europe, and look how well that went. <laughs> I remember uh, that. I remember yeah. that. Well, the value was on Europe, absolutely. Oh, wow, which I we think can all, was we can all talk about value, though, can't we? <laughs> they got absolutely <laughs> trounced. Well, I, I'm excited for this 
specific tournament like we mentioned because I don't you know I last time we did the Ryder Cup was a little bit different I think this is probably more of both of our lanes in terms of handicapping but I want to dive right in man because there's a lot to get to with this tournament I think there's a ton of stuff that I want to ask you about specifically but I kind of want to start with the weather I kind of want to get your take on it I checked it early this morning right before we went hot. And so we've got, you know, scattered rainstorms, 60% chance of rain on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I think that might even screw up some of the practice rounds. And then Thursday, thunderstorms are likely. There's, I'm reading here, 80% chance of rain with 10 to 15 mile per hour winds, scattered thunderstorms in the evening, which if it's raining at night, that means that they probably won't be able to run the sub-air system. And then Saturday, the rain is scattered with thunderstorms, rain at night too. And then Sunday, it's supposed to clear up in terms of the rain, but it's still going to be cold and windy and 10 to 20 mile per hour winds. And and over the course of those three days, you're going to get like a quarter of an inch. So I, I mean, for starters, I mean, if this holds... I don't know if they'll finish this by Sunday evening, but what are you doing with all this? Does this, does this change anything for you? Like, what are we supposed to make of this weather? Well, it feels all very Northern European to me. I mean, I'm, I'm, so. I'm sitting here just outside of London over here in the UK and it's beautiful and sunny, but I go outside, it's eight, nine degrees. Now, I, I'm seeing forecasts here for Sunday of nine degrees Celsius, 13 <laughs> degrees Celsius. It's fair. You know, we're used to... This is the danger, of course. They moved this from May, didn't they? Where May would be sweltering hot, 28, 30 degrees Celsius, you know, breaking 100, whatever. And now we're seeing 9, 13 degrees Celsius for Sunday. I, 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 a lot of golfers just won't like this. No. Uh, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of the pampered PGA Tour won't be getting <laughs> on with this. Now, I, and I must say, I didn't select even consciously my selections this week in terms of my player pool and my, my bets. I didn't focus on European players or, or, or world players because of that. But now that I'm seeing this for, I mean, the, it, you've got to say to the forecast is all over the place. You know, you, we, we, it's going to take a miracle by the looks of it to get through Thursday and Friday without play suspensions. And uh, this rain is electrical activity in the main, isn't it? Yeah, that would be my guess too. And that that's the thing. It's like if, if it's drizzling out there and there's scattered thunderstorms, like they can they can play through rain, but when it's thunderstorms, you have to get everyone off the course. And the thing about Florida too is it usually rains in like little pockets, right? It's not always a consistent rain throughout the entire day. So I imagine there'll be a lot of start starting and, and stopping, right? I I again like I I'm trying to figure out how this affects how I would bet this tournament. If would I bet this tournament differently? Do you do you think maybe there is? Um, I know you and I both. We get out our stuff really, really early in the week, right? So yeah. as it turns out as well, and some of my selections kind of work with them. Some of my selections, I guess, right? But but are you maybe looking more so at you know how? players have done in windy conditions or do you think maybe it'll get to the point where it's being overblown if this forecast for saturday comes to fruition we're looking at that could be gusting up to 30 miles an hour <laughs> i think you've got to be a good wind player haven't you oh, yeah yeah 30. I, I i you know 
just throwing names at you, I don't think I'll be backing Matthew Wolf at TPC Sawgrass in 30 mile an hour wins. <laughs> No, just that... you know, you just you, we're going to need grinders, aren't we? We're going to need. The other thing is, though, and, and what we ne- we 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 shouldn't forget here is that Thursday, yes, there's going to be potentially rain around, and and Friday also. But also, if there's been rain Tuesday, Wednesday leading up to Thursday, I think we're going to see a soft golf course. Yeah, and there isn't there isn't a great deal of width here. You know, it's only six, ten, gusting ten. Friday, sub ten mile an hour gusts all day. This golf course, you know, if you're a plotter, if you if you can plot your way around this, it's going to be scorable. It's going to these greens are going to be receptive. Yeah, and that that was the that was why I mentioned the rain at night because if it's raining at night, then you can't have the sub air on to dry it out, and it looks like it's going to rain at night as well. So probably more on the side of I think more like target golf, right? Like in terms of actual player skill sets that Potentially, yeah. uh, that could work here do you think do you place more of an emphasis now on say iron players or any kind of statistic that you feel like shoots or style of play i should say that kind of shoots closer to the top considering all of these factors i think the stadium course is pretty unique on the pga tour mm. pete died design as we know uh, it had the recent uh, Wensloff uh, redesign renovation, but even then he was talking to Pete and Alice Dye around the design for whatever. I mean, it's it's, it's 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 clearly it's his signature golf course. The thing that always jumps out statistically to me is, and it's very 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 um, atypical of a PGA Tour setup in terms of strokes gained. Around the green is always so vital here. And it, yeah. that doesn't seem to matter whether it's a, a soft golf course or a f- pretty firm golf course. I've got a stat here. and uh, uh, Bill Ivey on Twitter threw this out yesterday. He said on Twitter, Bill Ivey, he said, since 2015, there have been 70 players to finish top T10 or higher at the players. Only six of those 70 have lost strokes around the green. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. 64 of 70 top 10 finishers here have all been positive strokes gained around the green. So, you know, you've got to... I mean, I was on Victor Hovland last week, mm. and um, I love Victor. I love Victor a lot. I think he's going to be a world number one. But I keep saying on the Golf Bank System podcast and on my content at Golf Bank System, the one weakness that we all know he has is chipping and around the green game. And when you get to somewhere like Bay Hill last week, where the wind was howling, the greens were, I mean, releasing isn't even really the they right were, terminology for those greens. Dead. Were yeah, the they grass were, was just absolutely dead. Yeah. Actually, if the rough hadn't have been grown up all the way to around the greens, I think I think Victor would have fallen back because if there would have been chipping areas, that, you know, that just isn't Victor Hovland. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what kind of puts me off a Victor Hovland sort this week, no matter if it's going to be so- – I mean, the fact that it's going to likely be soft will help it. But you've got to have around the green game this week. Yeah. So I, I think I, the beauty of the Players' Championship, but also we can see this on the betting boards, can't we, Andy? Let's be frank, even even the layers, the bookmakers don't really know. There's such value available there. You know, it's joint favourites over here in the UK. We've got, we've got 
you know, John Rahm's eked into favouritism over here at 12s. And then we've got Colin and we've got Justin at 14 to 1. They can't really split them. And that's the yeah. beauty here because this course can work, you know, it can play for Brendan Todd just as well as it can play for Cameron Champ as long as they're having a good week and they're actually got an around the green game. Yeah, I like that a lot. I was I was actually looking at some of the numbers and I was finding that the there are a lot of pot bunkers here, right? And I found it's yeah. harder to gain strokes around the green here from the bunkers. That's in the top 10 out of any PGA Tour course from the fairway as well and from the rough. So, And I think Phil even has talked about it before as well that you yeah. need to have a lot of creativity and kind of short game magic around the greens. And I think everyone's first... Um, assumption is iron play, but the greens at Sawgrass are small. I mean, they're less than 6,000 square feet on average. So even though you're going to have more wedges in than long irons probably this week, like you're still going to miss some greens. So I like that a lot. I, I, I luckily, most of my guys seem to be pretty good in that category, but I definitely agree with you on that. Should we dive into the odds board? Do you want to talk about some of the favorites? Oh, let's yeah, let's talk odds, shall we? Um, John Rahm was fourteen to one over here. He's now down. In, he's been backed into twelves. Ben Coley's tipped him up out the UK uh, <laughs> leading tipster, and um, he he's been he's been backed very well over here. Rahm, absolutely stupendous. Still tee to green, driving's yes. fantastic. Approach play is probably the best. Tied with Colin Morikawa right now globally. You could probably throw a Wills Alatoris or a Taylor Gooch in there in terms of the top four for approach play and Justin Thomas yeah. rounding off your five. But the, the big concern, and, and it was voiced by Ben yesterday in his tips, was the around the green game with, with Rahm and the clearly, you know, we won't, we won't even talk about the putting. But if that comes back to John this week, and if, if we're living in a world where in 2019 we had Rory McIlroy win this at 14 to 1 and we had JT win this at 20 to 1 last year, if you actually looked at the odds and you looked at the elite, Rahm was definitely the value pickup, in my opinion, of the very top of the board. Um, I've also um, I've jumped in on Rory. I managed to get 18s. He's drifted to 20 to 1 for Rory McIlroy, who's clearly a Florida golf course oh, yeah. master. <laughs> yeah, Doral, Bay Hill too, all those places. Oh, all of those places. But yeah, the Rahm, Rahm's the one that's being backed over here. I think... It's like everything, isn't it? I think if Colin Morikara had been closer to 18 to ones, everyone over here would have been on Colin Morikara. But for a value play, I mean, we've been used to seeing John Rahm at eight to one. Yeah. At 15 to two. Yeah. He's priced up at 14 to one. Um, we know that his approach play is grade A. It's whether he finds that short game this week. Yeah. I, and I joined. Uh, I will join Ben and probably many others in the UK. I, I, I bet the 14 on Rom. And I just, I look at what he's doing right now, ball striking, and you already alluded to it. it it's just at a little bit of a different level right now. And, yeah. you know, I'm pretty hard on John Rom, my listeners know, but I would probably be very frustrated right now too if I was him and I was getting that little out of such good golf. And, I think the reason why I was so interested in him this week is I look at what he's doing, and if Rom is just a neutral putter, yeah. he probably wins. Um, and this course isn't a course where you have to go out and gain a ton of strokes putting, especially since it got moved to March. Like JT won last year, gaining, I think, 1.3 strokes putting. And if Rom can just get there, 
I don't, which I don't feel like is a huge ask, by the way. I, I don't think there's a scenario where he's not in the mix on Sunday. And in my opinion, Steve, TPC Sawgrass has greens in terms of actual undulation on the greens. I think they are on the relatively easy size. Um, they're small, so you're not going to have to do a lot of lag putting. Um, and just visually tracking him last week, it, it seems like a lot of Rom's struggles had to do with distance control. And at Sawgrass, he's going to have a wedge in his hands a lot more, and you can really, you can really, you can really be more aggressive and go up pins. And this overseeded Bermuda, very similar to what we see in Phoenix and PGA West, and Rom has putted extremely well at both of those. So Rom would probably be my my choice at the top. I can't argue with that whatsoever. Um, yeah. I just, I, I'm not Ram's number one fan, and fourteen to one, I cannot argue with the with the price point at all. Um, that's the best that we've seen. There's, there's downsides. I tell you one thing, I will throw at you, and I might as well get this in the mix early. You take the last three champions here: Simpson, McElroy, and uh, Thomas. They all ranked in the top ten for scoring average when they actually arrived at Sawgrass. So if we actually took that as a number now, Horschel's at 10, Mac Mackenzie Hughes at 9, mm. Fitzpatrick and JT at 7, tied, Scotty Scheffler 6, Cantley 5, Russell Henley, who I think would be a decent each-way punt or a decent yeah. DK oh. play this week. Um, his knees start to knock in contention, we know that, but this golf course is made for Russell Henley. Yeah. Uh, three is McElroy, two is Cam Smith, number one, Colin Morikawa. Yeah. The other the other thing that I'd noticed here, I like I you know, I'm harking back, and it's very rare, around the green game. Last five players winners, all ranked in the top fifty for strokes gained around the green, arriving at Sawgrass. So if well, I want to look at that right now. Rom's probably fallen out of that, would be my guess over the last couple I of mean, weeks. I mean, as I as I always say, and as I'm always shot down, trends are there to be broken. But outside the top fifty-five, Fitzpatrick Burns Leishman, outside the top seventy, I'm only throwing big names out there. Zalatoris is outside the top 70. We've got Spee, Corey Connors, Max Homer, Morikara's at 118. Siwoo Kim, previous winner. Shane Lowry, although he's a very small sample size, and actually yeah. he, was four, he was 14th for strokes gained around the green the last he, season. Lowry's got a good short game. That's oh, yeah. the last thing I worry about with him. Exactly. Brooks Kepka, Paul Casey, T4 Tony Finau. Adam Scott, John Rahm at 177, and Victor Hovland. He is 216th strokes gained around the green. He's only beating Bo Hogue. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't want to pile I don't want to pile on Victor at all. And I and I want to actually get your take on Rory because um I was close on him too. But I think also there might be something to pay attention to with Victor and Pete Dye because I know that these are two events that aren't going to show up in a lot of the data websites, but the two worst, absolute worst times that I've ever seen Victor play was that team event. I don't know if you remember at the Zurich Classic yeah, um, and the match play in Austin. Both Pete yeah. Dye courses both not have you're not going to have the stats for and i remember these specifically because i bet victor at both of those events um and it was the worst i've ever seen him play so maybe there's something 
to the uh, the visual deception of Pete Dye that Victor hasn't really figured out yet. And then I just worry about him a little too much out of these pop bunkers close to the greens. But let's talk about Rory. Give me give me the Rory sell. How did you kind of close in on Rory outside of some of these other top names? We've been talking about Rory a lot on the podcast, and um, he's definitely he's playing a lot better than we've seen for a prolonged period of time. In yes. our in our opinion. I mean, you look at his form recently. Clearly, he won the CJ Cup um, on the first his per- first season PGA Tour start, and then in 2022, oh, he was sixth also at the DP World Tour Championship. That was where he ripped his shirt when he he got <laughs> he got mad because he was in a bit of a head to head with Colin Morikara. But you know, since then, um, this season's twelfth in Dubai, uh, sorry Abu Dhabi, third in Dubai, could have won, of course, had the mud ball on eighteen. Everyone, um, you know, the whole world was saying, oh, Rory should have laid up. Well, Rory McIlroy never lays up, does he? That's why he wins so many golf tournaments. Um, Tenth at the Genesis. You know, it's not exactly bad stuff here, is it? And 13th last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I saw some video today. And, you know, Saturday, um, midway down uh, the back nine, he was still in second place at the Arnold Palmer Invitational on on the Saturday. Finished 13th. It's not exactly that Rory's playing bad golf right now and he lost strokes putting too like he hit the ball great and he he he, if he if he was a small gainer in the putting category he would have been firmly in the top 10 i'm a bit of a sucker for old style statistics because when i grew up things weren't strokes gained related at all when when i joined the industry in 2009 first for total driving last week 13th for greens and regulation third for ball striking Mm. And as you said, it was purely the putt of the misfile. He was eighth for strokes going off the tee, 24th for approach, ninth for tee to green. He struggled with the putter, but three, you know, he's 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 been in the top 10 for strokes going putting across three of his past five appearances worldwide. So if the putter, you know, there's no, there's no doubt that he's around the green game, he's sharp, everything's sharp. With Rory, it tends to be in the mind, doesn't it? It tends to be in the head. I just think with the Masters around the corner, with his pedigree in florida um you know he's had an eighth a sixth an eighth and a first here if he's the kind of he's the kind of player that if we're not going to have a first time players championship winner this week you've got to have Roy mcelroy at the club and i just thought 18 20 to 1 is a decent value price so of this kind of tier um we've already talked a little bit obviously about rory and rom but of this group of Cantlay and Scheffler and Morikawa and Justin Thomas and I guess Xander and, and Hideki, who else has your attention? Because it's so, it's so tough at the top, obviously differentiating between all of these top names, but you're going with Rory. Are you, are you going with two guys in, in this top range? Or are you kind of mixing down into the middle tier? If we're talking from a betting perspective, I've 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 included Rory. Mm. Um, we, you know, if you from a DraftKings perspective, you could you could throw in two at you know at ten and above. Yeah. Um, I tend to look things from a betting perspective. You need to bear that in mind. You know, DraftKings. Uh, there's far there's far better people out there that play DraftKings far better than I do. The, I, I'm I'm a trends man. I, I absolutely love trends. And if we're looking for the winner this week. Every winner going back to 2000, and I'm talking about winners of the players played in March, have played 
either the uh, the Honda or Bay Hill before they've mm. gone on to win this. So, you know, that's great for Ram. Uh, not so good for Colin. Not so good for JT. Not so good for Patrick. Can't we? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean they can't be great DK plays. The thing I, the thi- I mean, D- again, Patrick Cantlay, he opened up over here at 28 to 1. He's now a flat 20 to 1 over here in the UK. He's been backed in, severely backed in. And I can see why, because we know he's a Pete Dye, Pete Dye kind of guy, isn't he? Um, he loves Dye designs, hasn't won for a period of time since the Tour Championship, but he's been there or thereabouts, isn't he? I mean, he's been very, very um, impressive so far in 2022, considering he pocketed a rather large amount of cash at the Tour Championship in the FedEx Cup last year. It's not as if he switched off, is it? He had that period of time off in the fall last year, and he's come back red hot. My yeah. only reservation with Cantlay is I, I do like players. And if you look at Webb Simpson before he won this, I think he was top five strokes gained on approach the, the, um, at the at Quail Hollow, the outing before. Mm-hmm. If you look at um, Justin Thomas, he ranked second for strokes gained on approach at the concession, his outing before winning the players. I'm not seeing that from Patrick Cantlay. It, most of his great play at the moment is not with the irons, it's actually with the putter. And, it, you know, and you can never fault Cantley for his scrambling and his around the green game. That's always top notch. So, you know, if I was going to, I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't take JT. I don't like defending champions here. They've got a terrible record at the, at the players. Um, I would have gone from a value perspective for, for Ram over Morikawa purely because of that Florida start and purely because he is striping his irons and his, his driver's just as good as it always is. It's long and straight. So those those are the t- two I'd probably take. It would be um, Ram. And I, I personally would take would take McElroy of the top six. Yeah, my, my reservation with Colin was one thing I noticed. Obviously, I think this is a pretty great golf course for Colin Morikawa. I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. You think about Iron Game. Um, inside 150 yards, he's probably the best in the world. Uh, but the one concern that I had with Morikawa was that I noticed when I went back and looked through it, he's never had two good putting weeks in a row. Um, is that a coincidence? Maybe, but it's also like a three-year sample size. And you know, he's not the only one, Steve. I've actually, I've actually made a lot of money fading pretty much anyone after a spike putting performance, it backfires sometimes, but you'd also be surprised how much it works. Like some guys I noticed like Sam Burns and Billy Horschel, when they start putting well, they can gain like five strokes back to back weeks, three weeks in a row. But, but Colin is not like that. And so Colin has gained over three strokes putting six times in the last three years. And in the following week, Steve, he's gone minus one, minus 2.1, Minus 7.6, minus 1, minus 8.3, minus 2.5. So following a spike putting week, Colin's average next putting performance is minus 3.8 on the greens. And I get it. It could still be a coincidence. Sure. Is there a chance that you know he's done it in Europe and I'm not looking at those stats? Sure. But if you're asking for a reason to pick between Rahm and Morikawa, I would I would rather play Rom. And and my reason my reason for Cantley too is again, it's tough when you're when you're differentiating between these top guys, but you you gotta find something to cling on with them because they're all such great options. And 
One thing I noticed about Cantlay is I was looking at Cantlay's schedule the past couple of years, and we all know he plays so well on the West Coast, Steve. Like all of those golf courses are great fits for him. He Riviera, he loves. Pebble Beach, he loves. And he plays a lot of golf on the West Coast. Like He's probably the only elite that plays the Amex and Pebble Beach every year. And I noticed when he gets to the East Coast right after that busy West Coast swing, it seems like a bit of a flat spot for him, right? Uh, coming off the West Coast swing, so players was his first start and fl- his first start, missed cut, then missed the next three cuts, if you remember that. He missed four cuts in a row at this time of year. The year before, same thing, crushes the West Coast swing, missed cut, missed cut. So I know he prefers playing on Poa. He still had success on Bermuda before, but I don't know. I don't find myself as as tempted on him this week as I think some others do. In my um, notes for this, I, I basically, um, and I, I put this in my pre- preview this week, it basically says you need Florida in your face form. Okay. Yeah. And it's true, isn't it? You know, Justin Thomas, he'd won the Honda Classic before winning this. And that, 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 those two called, I think the, I think PJ National and here, you know, with, with water. I mean, it's, there's water in play on 17 of 18 holes this week. <laughs> yeah. Now, that, again, that does not scream, that, that does not scream Matthew Wolf. Um, it doesn't, it, 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 we could even go down the route, that doesn't scream Tony. Tony T4 or T2 female to me. Oh, yeah. Because, we'll get to it. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he'd won, he'd won at PJ National. Uh, Rory McElroy, a winner at PJ National. Even Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson had played the Honda Classic in 2018 before he won this. And he'd gone out in the last group or maybe the last two groups on Sunday and he finished fifth at PJ National at the Honda Classic. And you don't see, a, you know, a lot of the guys that we're seeing at the top of, of top of the market. You don't see them jumping and adding Florida golf courses to their schedule. Cantley's one of those. Yeah. And if you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, if you're not adding Florida type golf courses to your schedule, but of course you're playing the players, that would suggest that you're not overly um, into playing in Florida and those Florida type golf courses where the wind is howling, the temperatures can be dropping and, you know, we've got water everywhere. That, that's kind of the mindset I'm getting with players that don't play a lot of Florida type golf. So I, yeah. I would rather pick those that play regularly and play a Florida schedule each and every year. So that I would assume that puts you off uh, me and, Jeff Nagels is guy Xander Shaw. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where, where'd you go with Xander? Um, the one thing I will say about Xander, at least we're getting backable prices now. Yeah, yeah. What's the best you guys got over there? They were even start some thirties were even starting. I'm to not pop seeing thirties. I'm seeing twenty eights over here in the UK. Yeah, but it's tough when you're you know if you if you have Xander and Hideki at the same price right now, I think a lot of people would still understandably so pick Hideki in, in that in in that kind of scenario if they're the same price. 
you you and Jeff are the are the Xander Whisperers. So, uh, I, <laughs> what what are you? What's your view on Xander? You know, what, what's going on with Xander? He just he seems bereft of confidence. Yeah, yeah. Whisper is probably the opposite of what I am because it always works out where the weeks that I'm the most confident in him, he plays poorly, and 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 the weeks where he's kind of out of sight, out of mind for me, that's yeah. when it works out for him. I think he's a good one and done play this week. I think he is probably this may be in DraftKings some of the lower or lower ish ownership that you're going to get from Xander. He's a little out of sight, out of mind because of the Florida thing, as you mentioned. And he he doesn't play Florida golf really. It's never been on his schedule. He's he's played the API once or twice. He never plays the Honda Classic. He never plays the Valspar. The only time he plays here is the players. Now, I think if I wanted to put a positive spin on that, Steve, I would say, well, he's amazing at Eastlake, right? And, and yeah. what what is so different? from Eastlake than some of these other Florida golf courses. You've got the Bermuda rough. You've got the grainy Tiff Eagle. You've got water everywhere. And Xander's the king of Eastlake. Maybe it's just a scheduling spot. Maybe, you know, he's based in Vegas and San Diego. Maybe it's just, it doesn't really work for his schedule. And this is a, the way that they have the schedule right now. Like it's a lot. This, there are a lot of big, good events at the beginning of the year. We've got the match play two weeks away and he's going to play that. And we've got, then we've got the masters, right? And prior to that, you have Tory, which he's always going to play Riviera, which he's always going to play. And now hopefully this isn't a huge trend, but it seems like most of those guys are going to go to Saudi too. Right. So maybe it's just a, a scheduling spot. And the other thing that I would mention is, and you've done a great job of outlining this too. Like these are not, true grainy Bermuda greens. And I think a lot of the reason why some people don't like Florida, some players don't like Florida is because the grain on the Bermuda greens, if you didn't grow up on that surface, if you're not used to putting on that surface, it can make you look pretty silly, but these are completely overseeded, right? They almost play, they almost look like that shiny bent grass, right? And so they're exactly the, what we see in Phoenix and Xander's been great putting on those types of green in Phoenix. So that's kind of my Xander Xander spin zone for the week. Did I do a decent, decent enough sell for you? I've never spoken to anyone, Andy, that's mentioned Eastlake in compare comparison to a <laughs> No, 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 I'm not that I'm this is this is a mark of respect. <laughs> in my notes, and I've, I've, I bearing in mind, Eastlake is always after a, a stretch in the northeast, yeah, or, mm. or, or, yeah. The amount of comments I have read over the years from a Matt Kuchar and players love that ilk is they talk about coming to Eastlake and they say, well, this is like a Florida golf course, you know, almost in Georgia, but yeah, like you said, it's it's Bermuda, it's Bermuda grass fairways, thick Bermuda grass rough, and we've got you know Bermuda grass greens, so. The fact of the matter is, as you said, Xander is the king of Eastlake. And if you look at Justin Thomas, you know, he's had two uh, a decent decent runs at Eastlake. Rory McIlroy has won there a couple of times. Yeah. Webb Simpson's had a fourth and a fifth there. Jason Day's had a fourth and a sixth there. You know, Tiger Woods wins everywhere, but it, it, Woods Woods has had a couple of wins at East at Eastlake in, in modern times. The, the other thing I do like, and let, let's just go into a little bit of detail. People, um, I don't know if listeners will know, but 
I'm kind of known for being anally retentive around the agronomy of golf courses. <laughs> and, and what we've got this week, we have, um, I get excited when I get uh, the update from the uh, Greenkeepers Association. It's like, oh, fantastic. Uh, on a Monday afternoon. This, this is why we're UK. friends, Steve. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> Tiff, Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass greens this week. Yeah. But they're not. Because, as you said, that's the base. They're overseeded with Poa Trivialis mm. and Velvet Bent Grass. Mm. Now, yeah. so so if you if you hear or read that they're bent Bermuda Grass, they are not. They're a Bermuda Grass base. They're exact. Now they're not dissimilar actually to Augusta National Greens, which have a Bermuda Grass base and then they grow bent grass sure. over the top of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want a list of players? who have won on these putting surfaces since 2009. Yes. And I, I bet you I could get a lot of them because am I right on with the Phoenix does the same thing, right? Phoenix has that same overseed, right? It did. And then the last two, the last two years, so 21 and 22, they've taken away the velvet bent grass. So they kept, they've, they've kept the trivialists. The, the power. Yeah. 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 But Yes, Scottsdale used to. I mean, Hideki Matsuama, two wins, both at Phoenix. Then I've got a list of Paul Casey. That was at the Golf Club of Houston. Corey Connors, Valero, Texas Open. Russell Henley. Charlie Hoffman. Mark Leishman. Rory McIlroy. Ryan Palmer, Ian Poulter. John Rahm. His victory, actually, was at the team event at TPC Louisiana. Again. Yeah. Bermuda grass greens with velvet bent grass overseed. Adam Scott, Webb Simpson, Cameron Smith, Kyle Stanley, Brendan Steele, Justin Thomas, Jimmy Walker, and Gary Woodland. Those are players that have won on these types of greens with this velvet bent grass overseed since 2009. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think... I think that is a common uh, mistake with the Bermuda, and I think that probably leads me on to, in my opinion, Steve, I don't want to say that these greens neutralize bad putters, right? But I do think it takes away a lot of the the grainy struggle that a lot of players get frustrated yeah. over um, on some of these courses more so like the honda classic which is like this really grainy tiff eagle bermuda um so i i completely agree with you i think it's really important to think about those differentiations and in my opinion steve like it kind of just leads me down the route of looking at the leaderboard last year like it's a lot of guys that aren't considered it's not exactly a murderer's row of great putters right justin thomas shane lowry lee westwood Corey Connors, Sergio Garcia, Paul yeah. Casey, right? So maybe there's something there to you don't have to be the most skilled putter to have success at a place like TPC Sawgrass. I, uh, team no or team can't putt, team yeah. no putt, <laughs> definitely in play this week. Yeah. And that, that was the crazy thing about last week. It's the complete reverse to Bay Hill. If you look, if you look at the statistics for Bay Hill, um, you've got to be a very, you have to have a strong putting performance that week to be able to actually get in contention. I think uh, Scheffler was 17th for strokes game putting last week. And if you look at the guys beneath him, they're all in the tops, the top 10 for strokes game putting. This is the complete reversal. Team no putt is 
definitely in play. So Will's Alatoris supporters. Mm. Yeah. See, I, I, I never quite got Will's Alatoris last week. Teacher <laughs> Green, of course, he's fantastic. I get that. But the guy struggles with the putter. And a, a place like Bay Hill, that is only going to get exacerbated. Here, they, there's a reversal. More in play, in my mind, this week, Will Zalatoris than he would be at Bay Hill. I like that, too. So let's kind of dive into Zalatoris's range, right? Like, let's talk about some yeah. of these guys between 30 and 60. Who do you, who do you have next for me? Uh, I've got, you won't be surprised, Hideki Matsuyama. I've been told off recently. I, I keep saying his wrong like, ra- uh, name wrong. My pronunciation <laughs> pronunciation is never there. But Hideki Matsuyama, why not? Yeah. He's the sort that wins this. I, I tell you what else I've noticed here in t- just terms of winning records. You get this. Justin Thomas, five appearances before he won this. McElroy, nine. Simpson, eight. So they were winless in all of those starts before winning this. Siwoo Kim, where, you know, he's way out there. He, he only played once, and I think he had a top 15. Jason Day, five. Fowler, five. Kaima, five. Kucha, seven. Choi, nine. Tim Clark, seven. Average that through. Six players' championship appearances before they actually won. And Matsuama just fits the mould perfectly for me this way. Yeah, I like that a lot. He, I, I was even, I mean, I was, what did, What number did you get him at? Are, are you seeing some 30s? I managed, the, there was a tiny sliver with a couple of firms of 33s about him before I went live yesterday and literally was cut to 30s. That there's probably, only yeah, there's only, what, there's only one firm now in the UK still offering him at thirty to one. So that's not going to be around for long. He's going to go off at twenty eights and twenty fives. I think. I would agree with that. Um, I did, for me this tier, the first guy that I had um, was Brooks, and I tried not to. I I always go back and forth when I have people on. I, I wanted to take a peek at your article, but I also wanted to like kind of be surprised. <laughs> but I also have people that tell me who you are on every Monday morning, which is a testament to how good and important your picks are, is that some of my group chats will just be like, oh, Steve, this is who Bamford's on. This is who Bamford's on. So the secret is out. I know that you are with me on Brooks. I'll yeah. let you get, I want to hear your reasoning for him. But for me, like I saw the 41 um, I bet this last week, I thought the 41 was a good number. On Monday morning, he opened up at 50. So if you got a oh, 50, wow. yeah, if you got a 50 props to you, I think that's an incredible wow. number. I still like, I still like Brooks all the way down to 35. I would have bet him honestly at 35. And you know, one thing I noticed with Brooks, he's been sneaky better than you'd think on shorter positional golf courses. I don't another Bermuda course that isn't in Florida that I don't think is the the most terrible comp in terms of what it's asking you to do compared to TBC Sawgrass is Memphis, TBC Southwind, and, and Brooks has been great there. And he's had some great uh, success on these types of greens as well. So I, I think it's a lot of money, Steve, for Brooks. He's due for a big one. I, I think he might nag this one. He actually outscores himself over the last five years. He's actually performed better on past 70s than 72s, which would suggest yeah. he likes shorter golf courses. Yeah. He, he's, he's more than adequate on, on short golf courses. The thing with Brooks is, and I, I, you know, I, I get this, and people get excited. They see a Brooks Kepka at 20 to 1 to win the Honda Classic. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's sealing Brooks against the week. 
Brooks Kepka does not care about the Honda Classic. He's not interested. Not interested. But the thing that Brooks Kepka is interested in at the moment is he's finding it. He said he's he said in interviews, isn't he? He's embarrassed about his world ranking at the moment. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, I like but that. He, I like that. This this we 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 forget. We think these guys are machines. He had a serious knee injury, and that seems to have settled down and disappeared. He's now focusing on his golf. Brooks Kepka does not win the Honda Classic. He does not win. Um, I don't know, the the Rocket Mortgage Classic. He's interested in big prizes. Yeah. And the Players' Championship would fit perfectly within his CVs. His Palmares, as we call it over here, it's like a cycling term, his collection <laughs> of victories. Absolutely perfect. And Kepka is not playing as badly as he was. I mean, you, you've just no, said he's that. No, good, yeah. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised how well he defended his title at Phoenix a few weeks ago. Mm. Seventh, seventh for strokes going off the tee. We know that's his weapon of choice. With with Brooks, if the irons, if 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 the driver is play, you know, is is in play, he's in play. It tends to work with him that the driver, once he gets confidence with the driver, the length, the straightness, then all of a sudden the rest of his game comes. Sixteenth tee to green, fifth for putting in Phoenix. And then at the Honda Classic, 16th last time out, uh, 17th for off the tee, 21st for approach, 14th for tee to green. He also shares the course record here with a lot of players, <laughs> but also Hideki's the same. Nine, is it uh, nine under 63? Yeah, I, bl- I, believe, record? I believe that's what Hideki shot in the first round of, of 2020. And obviously, they ended up cancelling that that afternoon. Kepka shot that in 2018. And I've got that down, actually, as a soft golf course round because I think it rained the night before. Yeah. I think he's very much in play. Uh, for me, and he'd never admit it because, you know, bravado, you know, he's a, he's a champion. He's a major winner. <laughs> he's devoid of confidence. He needs a victory. I And I think he would, he would like a victory. Don't forget, we've all, we're also a WGC down this year. Yeah. And he always, you know, WGCs at Memphis, in Florida. The Me- I don't think the Mexico course really suited him. But here, I think he's very much in play. This is the kind of tournament he will 100% focus upon. And he's Floridian at the end of the day. He's got a <laughs> decent record, isn't he? Second at the Honda Classic a few years ago. Also second last year at the concession. Concession, yeah. Behind Colin Morocaro. Yeah, he was right in the mix there too. He almost won that one. Did the big numbers on, did the big numbers on DJ and Spieth entice you at all? These are uh, numbers they, that we've seen next to DJ and and Spieth that we haven't haven't really seen in a while. DJ, no, just yeah. not playing enough golf. Spieth, I know Ben's on him as as well. I can see the logic. Uh, I just if we're if we're going off the, it just doesn't feel like a Spieth course to me. I can't. Yeah, the, the trouble of. with Spieth is he can get himself into trouble off the tee. Yeah, I'd have said exactly the same about JT at this point last <laughs> year because his driving was abysmal. Yeah, and he held the driver together. If if I think Jordan's intelligent to know that he's not a driver addict, as in he's not Tony Finau, for example. He knows that on on key holes he will. You know, three word, five word, iron. He's more strategic than a lot of players. So yeah, I, I, I can see, it, especially with bad weather around. Yeah, 
yeah, but if you're I if we're see speed popping into the mix. if if we're playing the bad weather game, I would assume that you're probably more enticed by a Fitzpatrick or a Lowry. Oh, Lowry, yeah, I'm, I'm on Lowry. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, it's kind of it's kind of concrete block in the middle of the forehead, isn't it? Second at the Honda <laughs> Classic last time out, Open champion. You also, and this um, this is something we have seen in the past here. Um, I'll always harp always harp back to the past. McElroy hadn't won for 12 months before winning this. Thomas, six months. Webb Simpson hadn't won for four and a half years yeah. before winning this in 2018. And we've also seen Ricky Fowler was three-year gap between Quayle in 2012 and winning this in 15. We've seen players, good players. Uh, Matt Kuchar was almost two years when he won in 2012. We have seen players that haven't won for a period of time grabbing the players. Shane Lowry. He's perfect for that, isn't he? 2019 Open, the last tournament victory. And you've got to say, I mean, in my eight-week trackers, I track uh, DP World Tour and I track PGA Tour trackers across the last eight weeks. He ranks number one in this field for strokes gain T to green. Yeah. Lowry Lowry hits it so well at such a consistent rate. I mean, he was, I think he was towards the top of the field and ball striking at Honda too. And you know, he's been good. He's been good in Europe as well. Like his start to the season in Europe was very solid. And he was, uh, I really thought that he had the Honda in, uh, in his hands for a little bit there. I was really surprised he didn't win. Cause it looked like the momentum had completely swung with, uh, with burger on that Sunday. And then the weather came down and, you know, he kind of, Kind of got a little bit of some bad luck there. Probably uh, went a little bit too fast with this pre-shot routine. But if he wins that tournament, I very much doubt that you're getting 50 to ones on Shane Lowry. So I like that one a lot. I'll give you a guy, Steve. I bet and the uh, the short game stuff that we talked about, this is the one guy on my card that I have the most concern with. But I thought 70 to one, on Corey Connors was a pretty good number. I, I think that Connors is a guy who might get squeezed a little bit, uh, you know, especially in, in DraftKings. He's right next to, you know, the Gooches and the Paul Casey's and the Hattons and the Woodlands and all of the guys that played well last week. And, you know, Connors was awesome last week. Connors, uh, they just didn't show him on TV, but he gained yeah. 11, he gained 11.3 strokes from T to green. If Connors is like a neutral putter at Bay Hill, he wins, right? And I know that he had a a little bit of a poor start to the season, but the same thing happened last year, Steve. We talk about this so much about the schedule in Florida. And the second that we got back to this part of the schedule, shorter positional golf courses, Florida, API, the players, the Valspar, the Heritage, wedges and mid irons matter a little bit more. We're off the POA. Like, I think this is the type of tournament that Connors can win. And I do think that he can win a big one. Um, sneaky good record at the majors lately. He's already got two top tens at the masters 15th at the open last year, Steve first round leader at Kiowa Island. So even if it's a good field on the weeks, when on the weeks, when Connors putts, he will be right there. So I think I think he's a great bet this week at 70 to one. And, and, and I really do believe Steve, like he was right in the mix on Sunday at the API. If they had just decided to show him on TV, I think he'd be <laughs> double as popular. I really do believe that. 
You're not getting 70 to 1 now. 55 to 1 with only one firm over here in the UK. I'm seeing a short as 40 to 1 on Corey Connor. People are smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he did the same last year, didn't he? He, he was top top eight here last year and he yeah. came off a decent was he top i think he was top six or seven at api the week before he was third at api i think he went yeah, third so it's, eighth it's just, yeah yeah it's, it's history repeating itself yeah yeah I, I mean i think there are a lot of good options in in this range like gooch i think will be very popular uh siwoo kim i very much understand answer has kind of fallen off a little bit but he is kind of the prototypical player you think for the players championship he's had a ton of success on pete die courses i'm always a sucker for hatton casey uh i i don't even know i mean i had casey last week and and that weekend uh from paul casey really scarred me but i think connor's is probably is probably my favorite in this kind of middle to late tier before we get in the hundreds. Is there anyone else for you that you want to give a shout to kind of after Lowry before we at the end give out one or two kind of bombs in the 100 plus range? Um, I think Taylor Gooch. I mean, Taylor Gooch is going to be bound. I think we said it earlier. You probably look over the last six months, maybe even four months. The guy's approach play is elite. I think he was something like top three for approach play last week at the API. Yeah, it was great. He gained over six. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, um, that's a serious performance. And if we are going down the route of a Webb Simpson or a, um, a Justin Thomas, now where they were striking the ball before they won this, he, yeah, he was third for strokes gained on approach last week. Um, seventh for T to green. I think take... I, I understand with DraftKings that a lot of it is trying to – it's not going for the chalk, as you call it, is it? It's actually going for players that you, you can kind of switch yeah. across to. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Louis actually has a good week this week, if you're prepared to to make sure that he's not hurt his back on in the warm-up on Thursday. But I, get, I think Louis is the kind of player that could pick his way around this golf course, and we're seeing bad weather and – can you uh, one thing? Uh, one question for you, Andy. Have you any idea why Tyrrell Hatton, an API winner and someone that's in, been in the top five at the Honda Classic a couple of times, the perfect Florida background? Why has Tyrrell Hatton never fired at Sawgrass? There are a couple guys like that. Like I think I don't understand why Russell Henley hasn't played better here. I no. I, I think this is a perfect golf course yeah. for Henley and and Hatton too. Like Hatton is. Hatton's one of, I think Hatton gets the, um, I think he gets the mark by many as like a grinder and a scrambler and all of that stuff is true. But when Hatton's at his best, he's like one of the best in the world from 175 yards in. Like he is a mm. great iron player. He's a great wedge player. And I think that type of stuff is really important at Sawgrass. I think this is a course that, you know, that's why I struggle a little bit more with course history. I think you can get going really bad really quickly. And I, I think, you know, probably Hatton might've had some, some times here where it just, it gets going in the wrong direction quickly and you get, you get two or three over through four or five or six over through yeah. nine. And, and it's going you know, over it, mentally. Yeah, It's okay. just game over mentally. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't have a good reason for why Hatton hasn't been better. I mean, there's, there's a ton of guys here too. I think that, well, I guess uh, what's so great about Sawgrass, Steve, is 
a lot of these guys' resume here is like Molinari, for example, has he's got like four top tens and four missed cuts, right? Which is just which is a crazy kind of CB at a golf course. Rory too. Rory has had I think five top tens and five missed cuts, right? So I think it's just one of those golf courses where we're going to see a lot of variance and it, it, you know, a player's track record is maybe not as much indicative of their future performance. I think you touched on this already during, during this podcast, like is they, if they don't need to have the best experience, but they need to have some experience, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Hatton pops this week and actually contends here for the first time. I'll tell you another player in this kind of range. I like, and he was uh, he was fourth for strokes gained on approach last week at the API. Max Homer. Yeah. And if you're if you're looking for a big tournament, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not I think DraftKings play. I, I think he he he's not a bad each way bet. I'm not so sure whether he wins the event, but you know, seventy five to one I'm seeing here with bet three six five. But he's fifties in most places. I don't think he's got the experience to win it if we go and part those past trends. And he, you know, he missed the cut on his one appearance here last year. But that guy, there's something about Max Homer. You know, Quail Hollow win, Riviera win, um, three wins on the PGA Tour. He takes out big titles on big uh, major championship venues. I, he's, he's hitting the ball so well at the moment, and he's not afraid to play the API. He's played that two weeks on the, two years on the trot now, a tenth and a seventeenth. So it's not as if he is negating Honda, uh, Florida Golf. I think I think Homer could be one that's probably not going to be overly owned this week. A good pivot play in that kind of mid range. I like that. Um, the last guy I'll throw out there is a player that you've alluded to a couple times, and I feel like you've a couple drive-bys on him already, but I thought 80-1 to 1 on Finau. That had my attention. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, can I give you the case? Can I'll I give you the case? case? I, can't, okay. I can't stop you, but yeah, okay. Please, okay. please give me the case. So I know he had a little bit of an underwhelming West Coast swing, but the irons completely came back for him at Riviera. He had his best iron week at Riviera since he won the Northern Trust, right? And if you look at how he was playing before he won the Northern Trust, it was not very good at all. It was very similar incoming form to what he has here. So I don't necessarily think that Finau is the type of guy that needs to be surging before he wins, right? He kind of, he won at Northern Trust at, a big number. I mean, he won at Northern Trust at, I don't know, 40, 50 to one. He's 80 here. And he's had a lot of success on on some of these club down courses. You know, he's been great at PGA West, which is the West designed as the West Coast version of this course and, and similar overseeded greens as well. The Florida thing is concerned, but again, like I think he I think a lot of these guys just skip this part of the schedule because like why would you it's tough to fit in a Honda, an API, or a Valspar when you've got Tory, Riviera players, match play, and then Masters. So I think a lot of the stars skip this, maybe not necessarily because they hate Florida golf, but because it just it doesn't really work with their schedule. And you tell me, Rain and Wendy, 
I kind of like Finau in those conditions. Like he'll throw on that Nike quarter zip. He's got a really underrated short game and you know, he's, uh, he's had sneaky, really good success at the open too, Steve. So when I see Finau at 80 to one and he's right next to guys like Jason day and Chris Kirk and Tommy Fleetwood to me, Finau is still a class above those guys in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I I don't doubt you on that one. I just I always like Tony Fino at a big price. He's getting to that price point. I always like him at a big price going to a major. He's the kind of guy that plays major championship golf on proper big boy golf courses. No doubt yeah. about that. I've said that all along. You know, it's it's not really a surprise he did win the Northern Trust, which it's a funny course, Liberty National, but there's so many connotations with you know the field there is stacked, top one twenty five. Um, by the coast. He is a very good coastal golf player. I'll, I'll go, I'll tell you what, one thing I will say about Tony Finau, I would potentially be more supportive of him in bad conditions around here than on yeah. a perfect, on a perfect scoring test where it's not going to blow hard and, um, you know, 18 to 20 under is going to win. I just, I just think Tony can get frustrated on a golf course where he, he just likes to take driver. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, one thing I will say is I think he was he top three for strokes gained on approach at the Genesis. Yeah, he hit last the ball, time out. Yeah, crazy. He, yeah, he hit the ball great at Genesis. I think the only player who was better than him in approach that week might have been Rob. So he's hitting it well. Yeah, this it was it was the best iron week that he had since the Northern Trust. I do love, I do love the link between Scottsdale and here. And yep. you, you see it with Thomas, you see it with Simpson. Um, there, there's, a, there's a definitive link with whether that's the greens, the R- overseeding. And Ricky Tony too, Finau. Steve. Ricky, yeah. of course. Yeah, I forgot yeah. Ricky. Ricky, of course. So Tony Finau works from that perspective. Brooks Kepka works from that perspective. Yeah, those are guys that have contended and gone very close, and won in the case of Kepka. Um, Finau should have won, shouldn't he? When he when he got pipped by was it Webb Simpson? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah okay. Maybe maybe he pops. Maybe will, he pops. I'll give you another guy. This is professional podcast segueing here. Who also played well in Phoenix. How about Alex Noren? A little T six in Phoenix, right? Like Alex Noren, I got him at one hundred and thirty to one. I think we both feel pretty strongly about him. Again, the secret has been out with your Noren love. Um, I've heard you're on the Noren bandwagon as well, and, and I'm completely with you on this one. I think I like him on shorter, tough, positional golf courses. Um, he's had some great success on these types of greens. You know, Scottsdale, obviously, he almost led the field in putting at Scottsdale. You know, and he's also been really good at kind of shorter positional courses like the Valspar and Heritage in a bit of a limited sample size. But even courses, Steve, and I don't, I'm not saying these are the best comps, but I look at places like TPC Twin Cities and uh, the Honda Classic, yeah. where there's, and even Phoenix a little bit to a certain extent, where there's landmines everywhere and it's so, so easy to get derailed third at TPC twin cities, third at the Honda fifth at the Honda six at Phoenix open. Um, and he's coming off this great approach week at the Honda. And I said this, this was partially the reason that I was on Billy Horschel last week was when somebody who is a really good around the green 
and putter player starts hitting the ball well, which Alex Norton is doing right now. I think he topped Gene, Gene uh, Green's in regulation at Honda, didn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he hit the ball great at Honda. I will gladly bank on them trying to figure out the putter too. So, because Norn is one of the best putters in the world over like a pretty large sample size. So I, I think Norn is probably my favorite play over a hundred to one. I went to um, a bet, uh, a British masters here. They played it locally to where I live over here in Hertfordshire in the UK. And it was cold. It was windy. It was um, gray. It was horrible. And Alex Norn won that week. Yeah. You look at all of his DP World Tour, i.e. European Tour victories, none of them are on Bermuda grass. I say that in the podcast all the time. He's never won on Bermuda grass greens. So actually, the overseed this week works perfectly for <laughs> the bent the bank grass overseed. I'm all for that. You also look at Norren. 2017, he was 10th here. He was actually third after round one, fifth after round two. And then in 2018... Shot 66-69. He was fifth at the halfway stage. He was actually first-round leader in 2018. Then he completely lost his way, went through a bit of a... I'll tell you another, another, course, another course link that's, that's DP World Tour um, and European Tour guys will get their head around is Le Golf National, where they played the Ryder Cup. I like that. Yeah, right? I think like of, that a lot. Think of Mollywood. Yeah. Fleetwood and Francesco both play very, very well around here. But I'm just looking at the list here. I've got, he won in 2018 at the Golf National with Alex Noren. He beat Russell Knox, who was a runner-up. Now, Russell Knox is another player that's, yeah, yeah, he plays very well around TPC Sawgrass. I keep going down the list. Tommy Fleetwood in 2017, another guy that's played Sawgrass particularly yeah. world 2016 francesco molinari was runner-up at the golf national and then we can go back even to 2013 graham mcdowell won there in 13 and 14 francesco molinari was runner-up in 2012 and we can even go back to martin keimer in 2009 he's a player's champion yeah and he beat lee westwood in that particular 2009 tournament so yeah. there's a lot of crossover between the Golf National, which again is another one of this, these faux links, water in a lot of locations, got to drive the ball and pick your way around kind of golf course. The wind can howl there. The grass is completely different, of course. We're talking about Paris rather than Florida. But they're, they're, just the way that it's open to the elements, it's tough off the tee. I do like Alex Noren this week. The other thing I like about Alex Noren, don't forget, this is a guy that used to be ensconced in the top 20, top 25 in the world for three years. Yeah. He's currently outside the world's top 50. He's upwardly mobile, but we're getting towards two very important cutoffs, the world match play cutoff. And we've also, of course, got the, the final Masters cutoff for the top 50 in the world. That's a huge carrot for someone like a Norrin. If he could get a top five finish this this week, he's probably going to be in the Masters in, a, in, in, in April. When does the cutoff end? Is I think it... it's in two weeks' time, okay. potentially. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. I can't say enough about Norrin. I, I, I absolutely love him this week as well. Is there anyone else, Steve, maybe not necessarily in terms of their ability to win, right? But in terms of 
some guys that might be under the radar for a top 20 or a top 10 or a top 40 play or some lower price guys in DraftKings. Like, are there any guys towards closer to the bottom of the board that you could see maybe again, not necessarily winning this tournament, but you think there's a lot of kind of value on and you think they'll have surprise some people and have a good week. I think Russell Knox, we, we've already said that, haven't we? I yeah, don't think Russell too. Knox. Yeah. Uh, I, I never trust, I've never trusted Russell Knox in contention. The knees start knocking. But if you, um, we've, we've got a bookmaker over here called Bet Fred. They do a T- T20 market. They also do T10 markets where you actually they play the ties as well. All the ties get paid out in full. A T20, T40 market for Russell Knox, who's striking the ball very, very well at the moment, I think would be a decent bet. Um, maybe a Joel Joel Damon has been playing quite well recently. Yeah, he's got a good record here. Actually, if you go back 2016 through 2021, he's actually ranks strokes gained total 11th in this field for strokes gained around TPC Sawgrass over that time period. That's he good. actually ranks third yeah. for strokes gained ball striking. Now that's only from six rounds, but you know it's all relative, isn't it? Um, I can even I can't believe I'm about to say this, but from a DraftKings perspective, I can even see someone of the ilk, someone that's brilliant in the wind, and an Emiliano Grio. <laughs> yeah. Now that yeah. that's that's um, <laughs> there are truthers out there, aren't they, with Grio? Yeah, there's a it's a fit. There's a good course fit here. I could see that. I, I, I think this is the type of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I could, I could see it. He just hasn't been, his recent form has been horrendous. Yeah. But it's the kind of course that would suit him theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you who I think is a better version of Emiliano Greer right now is Tom Hoagie. Tom Hoagie's 210 to one. I probably like him more as a top 40 or a top 20 bet, but you know, I was on him at Pebble Beach. The reason why I was on Hoagie at Pebble Beach is because he's like a top five player in the world with a wedge in his hands, right? Um, that is one skill set that over a very large sample size, Hoagie has been absolutely elite at. And small greens, right, Steve? Again, at TPC Sawgrass, 22nd last year. And looking at the places he's done well, Amex, right? TPC Sawgrass of the West. Mayakoba, Sony, RSM, Pebble, obviously, small greens, club down. So I like Hoagie. I was is there a is there a bit of a Mito obsession in the UK as well? He because there's a there's like a huge Mito thing here. Maybe it's just my corner of the internet. But are you guys I think as- I, I I think I started the Mito obsession in the UK. <laughs> I was on him very early and I uh, my, my golf betting show that I put out on YouTube. I'm very um, uh, the way I um, Mito Pereira. I'm very very flowery <laughs> in terms of my pronunciation, both for him and Wacky Neiman. I I love Team Chile. Um, Pereira is playing some outstanding golf. I, was, I like I'll, him this I'll, week. I'll go lot. back to Grio. Just let me go back to Grio. Yeah, of he course, was tenth tenth after fifty four holes last time out of the Genesis finished twenty first. And before that, yeah, there's a string of missed cuts. Don't forget as well with Grio, 12th at the Open last year. Yeah. So the sorts that would just pop out at very low ownership and could get you a nice top 20, top 25 finish potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got nothing against Tom Hoagie. Again, 
I, th I think if you look at his approach play, if you took his approach play over the last, say, 24 rounds or three months, whatever way you cut your data, I bet you Tom Hoagie would be in the top 10 on the PGA Tour with his approach play. Has to be. Yeah. I, I Outstanding with his irons. Yeah. Hoagie, Knox, and Mito. And I'll give you one more. This guy is way farther down. But I, I keep playing Martin Laird every single yeah. week. And I, I just, you know, he was hovering around the top 10 last week, all week. Um, and then he shot an 80 on Sunday, but he just keeps making cuts on hard golf courses and in good fields. He's only, he, Martin Laird, like only plays the bigger ones. He's played Phoenix, Torrey, Riviera, API this year, made the cut every single time. He gained 4.8 on approach last week. Like that's a lot. He's 340 to one, Steve. He's finished second here before, of the guys that are 300 to one, I think Laird is by far the most likely random guy to pop. Um, he, he wins golf tournaments very randomly. Valero on those greens that you've talked about too. Shriners, TPC, a kind of have to keep the ball in play off the tee there. Very accurate off the tee. He remains for the fourth week in a row. I think he's a very good play if you're kind of mining at the very bottom of the board. But that those are kind of that's all I got at the bottom. The only thing, the other thing with Martin Laird is he's got an outstanding record at Scottsdale as well, isn't he? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and he third, was good, good third, this year fifth, too. Seventh, ninth. I can also remember him kind of throwing away victories there. I think that was 2015 when he finished fifth, but he was a fifth, 36 and 54 hole leader. Yeah. So he clearly gets on well with these overseeded greens. I think that win that he had at Valspar, he, I'm, I'm pretty certain he had a win at Valspar. He definitely had a win at uh, Bay Hill, but I think he's had a top three or top four. And Valero. Valspar he well. definitely yeah. had a win at Valero too, right? Overseeded greens, yes. Yep, yep. He's he's going to pop. I think what he's price, a What price are you getting him on DraftKings? Uh, 6800 Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, right? That's outstanding, yeah, that is outstanding. Yeah, he actually He's, he actually sits in the top twenty-five in this field across the last eight weeks. Strokes gained on approach, led, and, yeah. and you're getting him at that price point. Steve, he led the PGA Championship in strokes gained approach last year. Pete Dye, oh, wow. Kiwa Island, he led it three hundred forty to one. That's it's funny. Right he, he's in the top 25 as well. 20th in my analysis for both T to green. And guess who else is sitting there in the top 25 as well? Russell Knox. Our guys. Our mm. guys. I think so, those yeah. are, yeah. I think those are good plays at the bottom of the board if you're looking for ways to kind of fill out your DraftKings lineup or put some some top 20 or top 40 action. I, I like Knox, Mito, Hoagie, and Laird would probably yeah. be my favorite. Is there anyone else, Steve, uh, before we get out of here, anyone else that we didn't talk about that you want to give a shout to before we get out of here? I think we've just about covered it, to be to be fair, Andy. I, it's one of those tournaments where, I mean, was it Doug Gim was right in the mix in this last year? You yeah. are going to get some randos. I think you're going to get some randos near the top, and you're only going to get a smattering of the elite in the, in the mix. I think I heard Rick Gaiman, uh, Gaiman say this week something along the lines of that I think it's one of the lowest in terms of 9,000 and above in DraftKings. It's the one of the lowest top percentage. Correct. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. basically people ejecting and missing the cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So there is space lower down. If you can pick the right players, like you just said, a Laird, a Knox, players of this ilk, maybe a Griot, that are a long way down, a, a, a Tom Hoagie, and you can build, you know, interject them into your teams, there, that, there is a path there. If you pick the right guys at the top end where you can build some very successful lineups, I think. Pat and Kazaya might be one. I don't know. I don't know if Kazaya's got the kind of mental um, fortitude for potentially something like this, but I always like Kazaya on a Bermuda grass golf course, on a shorter golf course. Yeah. And if this is going to be softer and maybe slightly more scorable, I don't know about a Kazaya, maybe, because he's he's been striking the ball quite well recently as well, Pat and Kazaya on the on the quiet. And he can get he can get really hot Streaky with his putter hot. too. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the, he's one of those guys that can gain six putting pretty easily. All for right. me, for me, I would be fading the likes of a Matthew Wolf and a Patrick <laughs> Reed, for example, because I don't think they're going to find it at Sawgrass. He, you know, Steve, you're very mild mannered on Twitter uh, for the most part. I I feel like the Wolf thing, I feel like that really scarred you because I remember you tweeted something about Wolf and I was like, oh, this is a very this is a very un-Steve Bamford-like tweet. Mm. I think there's something about the guy. I, I think he's I think he's he's gonna become a, a very elite level golfer. It's just that the thing with Wolf is he's very, very volatile. He's either uh, like he did at the Honda Classic a few weeks ago, you know, I put him up to win. I, I, you know, we all make mistakes, but um, but even then, I, I put him up on the. Uh, it was risk and reward because yeah. if he does, if he does drive the ball straight and long, the rest of his game is can be excellent, but his driving can be so errant, it's unbelievable, and that's that's you know why I, I wouldn't go anywhere near him this week. A player of that ilk. Um, I'd go for more players that have got experience around here, or a Westwood potentially, a Fleetwood. I think there there, there could be a European flavour. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'll end, I'll end it. Just purely if this weather really does turn to chaos, which it appears it might do. Yeah, Poulter too. I think Poulter was up there the year that Siwoo won, which was harder harder conditions. Um, I like yeah. that a lot. Well, Steve, it's a pleasure as always, man. I would assume that the vast majority of my listeners already read your article as well. But for those that don't, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you this week? Uh, golf betting system. We're over here in the UK. Uh, we've been around since 2009. All of our content's completely free of charge. Uh, detailed in depth, as you know, um, betting previews. We have loads of tournament statistics. Um, first round leader analysis will be out tomorrow. We have strokes gain data, which is free of charge as well. So you, I was quoting some of it earlier, so where you can look going back to 2016 on strokes gained, you can rank it by uh, skill set. So off the tee, if you want to look at players that have got the best ball striking here, it's all available free of charge, no paywall. Also, one last shout, the Golf Betting System podcast, Yep. which uh, we've 200th episode this week, 200th birthday. Thank you very much. Um I sit with Paul Williams, my European or DP World Tour colleague, and Barry, who's over in Dublin in Ireland. And we just we just talk about the uh, golf tournaments each and every week. So yeah, um, come and subscribe to that if you if you will. But yeah, the golf betting system is the site. Steve, it's great to see you as always, my friend. We'll do it again soon. I look forward to that immensely. Thanks for the time, Andy. Okay, that's it for the show. 
Special thanks to Steve Bamford. Live Tuesday scramble with Rick should be in your feeds already. Uh, the prize pick stuff is just getting absolutely out of control at this point. So I would encourage you guys to check that out and get in on the prize picks fun with us as well, because I don't know how long they're going to allow us to get away with this, but go check that out on the 300 yards to unknown podcast feed um, or the Rick run good YouTube channel. And then odds checker articles Tuesdays and Fridays. And we will be back on this feed next week for the Valspar. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead center back roads I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.